It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. I'm Rob Murphy and Connacht have lost, not even getting a single losing bonus point in this game, losing by 27 points to 18 in the end. A frenetic game in keeping with a competition that is a frenzy from one game to the next. Alan Deegan, welcome along. Hi, Rob. Dave Finn, welcome along. Good evening. Good evening indeed. It is a lovely Sunday evening. In fact, it's hard to believe it's December. It's a little bit chilly, but it's looked like a good night for rugby. I listened to your brilliant preview podcast, Alan, and you talked about the weather. I'm sorry to hold you on this one, but your prediction was wrong. It was never as wet as we thought, uh, but a bit of the southwesterly winds you spoke of. Still good conditions. Well, I got bloody wet earlier on today, I can tell you, when I got caught in one of those showers, so yeah, yeah. Fair point. Dave, we have to get into the rugby. We're going to get into the post-game pretty quickly, I'd say, and into the in-match first and foremost. But I want your initial takes. Dave initial take on Connick's second successive defeat in the Champions Cup that all but, and correct me if I'm wrong, puts them out of contention for the quarterfinals. Oh, I don't know anymore. You know, two games get cancelled because those two teams both get COVID. We win, we get 10 points and we get 56 points. We didn't, last week apparently we won 8% of our collisions. I think, did we win 8% of our collisions this week? It's that 80 20 rule that's gone the other way. <laughs> that made no, that game made, that first half certainly made no sense because how they only had five points at half time and yet we had all the, tri- we had the best try scoring opportunities. It was just insane. And then we did something stupid at the start of the first half. We get a yellow card. Uh, they get the two tries, and the, the second of those two tries is absolutely brilliant. That's worth the admission fee if anybody actually had been able to come in and pay for it. And then they completely lost the plot for 10 minutes, and we didn't take advantage. Um, they have a yellow card that we need to look at again because we might not necessarily have been... It might That might have been a little bit more dangerous but I, I did, we have no screen so we don't know and then they promptly scored a four try and then I don't know what happened to us in the last few minutes yeah they scored that four try with 14 men and they scored that four try with 14 men uh, by showing some good wit as well Alan's off to do a little bit of uh, statistical updates uh, in conjunction with Packy so while he does that and we bring him back in on that very point why don't we hear a little bit of in-match from Alan and William followed by some post-game press conference when Andy Friend and Paul Boyle pull no punches when speaking about their team I'm standing on a very empty yet again clan stand which seems an awful shame considering who's here with Pat Lamb and John Muldoon and Connor and all the others and Nia Di Loken actually on the bench it just seems so wrong William doesn't it? Yeah look it's very tough um, but there's very little we can do about it, the European music starting, can you imagine if there was 8,000 people in here now it would be white hot for this game but we live in very difficult times, so everybody just has to push on as best we can. Interesting, during the week, Pat Lamb said to me, the players are getting used to this now. Um, and I think they are. They're professional sportsmen. They want to win. Both teams need to win. You lose tonight, you're probably out of this competition. So it's a big game. Uh, both sides have gone through a decent warm-up. Bristol, very focused warm-up. Really working hard. Uh, it's a nice evening. It's cold. The wind is dropping. The rain has stopped. So uh, let's get it on. Exactly. And we really are missing the crowd. That has to be said. I've, it's, I've, I'm feeling so lonely here now at this stage. Anyway, we'll talk again in 20 minutes. And that's the ball bouncing on the dog track. Is kind of clear what could have been a try for Bristol. would have been the first score of the game. We're 20 minutes in, no score. Yeah, it's scrappy, Alan. Uh, I think the wind's causing a lot of problems for both sides. Neither side really at pace. I'd say Bristol have been the better side. They've had a couple of half opportunities, putting a lot of pressure on the Connacht scrum, and they're 
on them all. They look pretty dangerous and they're driving forward again now into the 22. It's going to be a long evening for Connacht if this keeps happening. It certainly will. We'll, we'll hold on and just see if, if they do manage to get a score out of this. They're, what, five metres out? And they've lost the ball. Good D from Connacht. We'll talk again at half-time. OK, half-time score. Bristol lead five points to three. Silly red penalty given away by Connacht. Gave Bristol a chance to kick to the corner and they drove over. Connacht had an opportunity right on half-time to do something similar. similar. It didn't quite make it, but did get a penalty to which Jack slotted. So, very tight. Yeah, I think Connacht will be glad they're not further behind, really, um, because they have been put under a lot of pressure and Bristol haven't been as accurate as they'd expect to be. But they're still well in this game now. We think they're going to have the advantage of this very odd wind, which is a crosswind. And they've got through this first half. Bristol are big, they're awkward. Um, Connacht have been hanging on a bit, so maybe more space will appear in the second half, but this is certainly not going to be uh, one of those 60-70 point games. This is a real hard slog, and um, Connacht will have to improve in the second half if they're going to get the job done, but only two points behind they'll take it. Just gone over 60 minutes, and this game definitely has opened up, William. It's now Connacht 10, Bristol 19. Yeah, serious uh, mistake by Bundyaki to get a yellow card and Bristol ran in two tries. Um, silly yellow card. And that get them, got them well out. But Connacht have dominated since then, really. have got a try. Bench is starting to clear. So this game is still very much on. You still feel Connacht need to score next. They need to narrow this gap. It's still a, it's a, a nine-point gap at the minute. But um, they had to get that next score, and they did. Um, going to be very interesting last uh, 20 minutes. It certainly is. Those bounces are bouncing. Let's see if they can bounce their way to a victory. So the final score, Connacht 18, Bristol 27. Connacht had a chance to kick a penalty at the end, which would have given them a losing bonus point, but they didn't take it and didn't score. Great, brilliant last-ditch tackle in the corner. I couldn't quite see who it was, but um, disappointing result. Yeah, they were well beaten, I think. Uh, I think Bristol were the better side. They were stronger, they were physical. They bullied Connacht around the pitch at times. Uh, I'm not quite sure why they didn't take that losing bonus point because even if they'd scored a try and a conversion, they still weren't going to win the game. Um, so that maybe wasn't a lack of clear thinking. I mean, would two points be enough? You've got to win your home games in this four. But then you might get a game handed to you that you don't expect because of COVID. You could get five points from nowhere uh, in January. But it didn't happen. So they're, they're one point and you would have to say that Champions Cup for Connacht really is over at this stage uh, and there is just a gap in the level uh, Bristol did nothing today other than be uh, very physical, worked incredibly hard, their work rate non-stop and they just at the, made the right decisions at the right time, got the scores and um, they're back in business in this competition now Andy, just to start with, really, really disappointing, obviously, results. get Take nothing from that after such a good performance last week. Yeah, it is, Rob. We just said at the front end, too. Like, just frustrating, mate. It just just feels flat, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't see that. I, I, I thought we, we were going to win that game tonight, uh, even at halftime. I thought you know, I thought both teams were frantic in the first half. There's probably a lot of energy out there. But we walked, you know, at halftime, we looked around the shed and we said, how are we feeling? Yeah, we're feeling good. Is there anything hurting us? Not really other than discipline. Um, anything hurting us with the throwing at us attack? No, not really. Sweet. We got a lot of energy, yeah. So I, I, we look good. I thought we looked really good. But 
Um, as history will tell us now, the opening stanza of that second half hurt us. Uh, you know, and the rest is history now. Yeah, it was a strange first half. They, they had a lot of chances. I think they had about six visits to 22. Um, but at the same time, they only had one try because some good turnovers from Connick. So defensively, the, the energy even throughout the entire game seemed to be very good from Connick. Yeah, we, we, we said at the front before the game started, two things will win the game. One's defence and one's discipline. And uh, I thought we did defend well, but I didn't think our discipline was what it needed to be. What, like, what do you put that down to in the second half, some of those decisions that were made that cost us so much? I mean, I'm even leaving aside the yellow card, which obviously was crucial, there was when Connacht got back into the game, there was two penalties at line-out time that seemed to be just technical errors, but they were key penalties. Yeah, it's too hard. We Listen, I don't know why, but we couldn't get the rest, Mike, so we couldn't hear. Normally, we can hear him and we can hear the, the AR, so we know exactly what they're saying. And that's probably why I feel a little bit lost at the moment because we couldn't hear it. We couldn't hear Pete for the whole game. So I'll have to go back, Rob, and have a look. Um, but, yeah, listen, it's it's uh, we, we, we have what we call red penalties, which is just dumbass penalties, and we had a few of them tonight, which will no doubt be called out, and we've got to make sure we're better than that. Yeah, it's funny because you like looking at the character the players showed right to the end and their determination couldn't be faulted. But Bristol really took advantage of the fact they seemed to play a very high octane, almost very loose game in that second half. And it took us by surprise. It seemed like it did. Do you think it took you by surprise? Well, they were clever. When we went down to 14, they were clever. They started to move the ball around a lot more. Um, uh, but yeah, prior to that, I mean, that, that's the way they normally play. And we actually said at half time, listen, it's a, it's a compliment they're offering you there, fellas, because they're not playing their normal style. They're kicking the ball a lot. So defensively, we, we, we believe we're winning that, but we've got to make sure we don't give them the easy outs, which, um, yeah, which we didn't do. So uh, at the end of the day, mate, we've got ourselves to blame for that. It seems it might seem trivial, but we were really baffled in the commentary why we just didn't take three points for a losing bonus. What's your thoughts on that? Well, actually, Paul just talked there before he's asked the question, and 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 in fairness, I'll back him on it. He, he probably like myself up in the box too. We thought, well, we're out of Champions Cup. This is a pride thing now, and let's have a go um, because the Challenge Cup didn't really come into into the thinking. So again, listen, it's it, you know you're in the heat of battle there. It's easy sometimes in the in the comfort of a of a chair sitting up in a box thinking I'd be doing something different, but. Um, you know, again, as the coach, I trust these young blokes and, and the decisions they make. Um, so he won't be all over the calls for that, the calls for that at all. It's, it's a learn and, and it's, uh, it's something that, you know, at the end of the day, mate, I didn't think we'd, we, we'd need to, to try and find a bonus point to stay in it because we wanted to win the game of football. What difference does it make when it's one of your leaders and your star players who makes a mistake like Bundiaki did? And how does that change how you approach it? I presume it doesn't change it. No, it doesn't. It, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. You, you know, you still got a responsibility to the team. Um, but Bunny wasn't the only one tonight. There was there was a few there tonight which were just dumbass penalties, and and we we can't we can't be competing at this level if we keep giving them away. Paul, it seems like a, an important juncture because there's been some really promising signs the last few weeks. You know yourself. Uh, you had a high point here a couple of weeks ago and obviously it was a great effort in Racing, but this is a low point too. So like, do you feel like it's a bit of a turning point or a bit of an important kind of juncture for the season? Uh, yeah, no, I think it is because I suppose it's myself and Friendly and, and, and the team have spoken about it. We don't want to be that team that tries hard and got close and put in a good performance against a good team. We want to be the team that wins. And however we perform to get that doesn't really matter as such if you get the win. So I, I just think... 
I want this change in mindset to, to go across not just only the players and the coaches, but the whole of Connacht that we are going to be a team that wins. But to get that mindset to change, we've got to go and win. And, and ultimately, we didn't tonight. Yeah, they really seem to bring an awful lot of power. To us, they seem to be just that bit bigger, a bit stronger. Uh, well, how would you respond to that from your perspective? Yeah, well, again, penalties let them into the game. But when their mall is, is rolling us backwards, it's hard. It's one that juices your legs and then it just gives them all the momentum. Um, so I, I think that was that was a big part of the game. And I, think, I feel if we had got that right, it might have been, had a different outlook. But um, yeah, that's two weeks in a row where our mall has let us down. And you can't blame anyone but ourselves for that. Um, so we'd have to have a look at that. Do I get the feeling that the biggest focus for next the next game is going to be a mindset thing in, in conjunction with discipline, obviously? Uh, yeah, but when you say mindset, we want to win. We think we're going to win. But mm. it's the mindset that we are going to win, um, that we're definitely going to win, I, I suppose. And it's just that change in mindset to to get rid of this underdog status that we have and um that was that was all the, the talk coming out of the game last week there was there was stuff online and stuff just about how connacht did really well and mm. like i said to you before we don't want to be that team that does really well and gets close we want to be the team that wins and that comes off the back of wins and and we have three big interpros now that um we really got to focus on because we're in a good place in the league but um you could drop down quick enough with a few bad performances so um even though it's disappointing today We've got to we've got to build ourselves back up early on in the weekend and fly into Ulster next weekend. Okay, so loads to talk about. And as I said in the press conference, this is trivial, but I feel like it just gets to an overall kind of where is our rootless killer instinct? Both of you can answer this, but I'll start with Alan. You know, all right, they've explained it. Paul Boyle has said, look at we just looked at it as we were out of the Champions Cup at that stage and we wanted to finish with a try and make a bit of a statement. That's fine. That's his mindset. And Andy said, as a supplementary point to me, uh, they probably hadn't considered at any point being in the Challenge Cup. So that wasn't really in the mindset anyway. So that's, that's their explanation. My problem with that is, you know when those fixtures come up in, the, in January that they'll tell us, oh, we're going out to win. And we're going out to win both games. And if you're doing that, and if they do win both games, Alan... Yeah. They're in the Challenge Cup guarantee, possibly in the Champions Cup. They've just thrown away a point there and it could be the difference between 10 points and 9 points. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I'm standing there going, what are you doing, guys? Just take take three points. Like you, you get a losing bonus point. Like the, the chances of you scoring there, that like the, there's one of the Brendan Shields or someone like that's done a lot of stats on you know when teams kick the corner rather than taking the points. And it's 80-20. It's, it's 80-20 and you should be taking your points. You only have a 20% chance of wow. scoring. 80% of the time you should take the three points is what he's saying. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't mean yeah, you, yeah. you score 20%, but the point is 80% of the time the better option is the yeah. three points. Well, Munster showed it yesterday. You just keep scoring your three points and your three points and your three points. You don't have to score a try. You just have to score. You just have to score. And, and the game has gone... Sometimes, especially when you're playing against a team as big and physical as as Bristol are. Pushing them over. No, we weren't getting over the game line. We were being, as I would call it, bullied, as we always are when we play against English teams, because we try and we try and smash them, and, and you're not going to smash men who are bigger than you. And that's what they love. They love that. They love that physical thing. Did you see that cheer they had? The biggest cheer of the game was stopping Sammy Arnold scoring in the corner at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There again, there was a, an element of um, their bench was somewhat louder than our bench. It has to be said. It felt like we were at a I Bristol game rather than a Connacht game. In defence, I think that was just the way the game went. It just they were winning the collisions and I think the noise comes from the collision dominance
domination rather than necessarily because Connacht had a couple of moments where the noise came when they had their moments Dave anything further to add to that uh, whole not taking the losing bonus point did you stay in the competition as long as you possibly still have a chance and they really oh, no, should no, take I still, I still do I mean it would have been I, I just wonder and I mean I know it's clearing up I I will raise this issue of the 28-0 five point victories for no, for no games I think that's going to I think I don't this both backs up Alan's argument actually probably backs it up more than it doesn't in the sense that that points differential is going to be is being completely distorted. I mean, Leon, forget about they're effectively through now. You just take every match point yeah, that's and there, take, and yeah, we yeah, just yeah. we left one behind us, yeah. and it's a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah. All right, we have a bigger problem though because we're going to face physical, big, strong, top quality Pro 14 sides for the next three rounds, Alan. And I'm a bit concerned that despite some lovely skill set, Dave, do you want to come in here first? Yeah. Sorry, we've been held up there. Go. Uh, what I want to make a bit was that we also are getting some big bodies back. I, th- I think you have to accept. Could you imagine what Abraham Papayidi would uh, up against Nathan Hughes today? I mean, I'm not dissing Paul Boyle, I'm not dissing Conor Irving, but every the only player that was smaller than his immediate opponent on the Bristol team was the scrum half. Everybody else, one to fifteen, was bigger. They are a big boy. We can't, we are struggling with it. We needed we needed the our biggest guys, and they just were not available. Yeah, it's the second row. You can't keep playing with one second row, one definitive second Last row. Christian's been doing very well. He has, and he had another good game there tonight. But Which we're talking... Queen Roo, Gavin Torbridge. Yeah, you're talking big physical book. They had they had four guys, I think it was, over 110 kgs. We did not. And that means you're going to lose... You're going to lose a lot of straight-up collisions because it takes more... You know, sometimes that, that bulk and that weight is needed at times. I think Quinn Roo was badly missed tonight. Yeah, Quinn Roo is the type of player who always goes well against English sides. I seem to remember in places like Northampton and Gloucester and everywhere else, he always seems to come out as one of our best players. He loves English sides. We need more Quinn Roos for English sides. No, no question. And it's the same on the international level. It's oh, yeah. because it, it becomes just a pure physical battle. Like there's no nuance. It's just. <laughs> bang smash wallop and you need a bang smash wallop person and that's Quinn Roo I think the other element of what Bristol are about and possibly why they've just gone a little bit above some other sides in the league and got to semi-finals is because Pat Lamb has embraced the abrasive English rugby scene and he's added in his high octane give it a goal trust your skill set as we saw tonight that's kind of a nice combination remember when I used to go wish Connick would just kill a game and make it boring for 20 minutes I think Bristol fans have gone through that there was no logical reason why we should score two tries after they got their third try. Even the ball, they're like, well, I, bring it back, I bring it back to an issue, and this is this is the madness of all. You play a rugby league convert in his first game, and one of the first few. Now they gave him sod all ball, and he did well with it. That sounded like a train. Yeah, it sounds like. Has <laughs> the docks opened up? Is there bigger <laughs> ships coming in? But he, but we chipped the ball in behind him. Now, normal wingers. Not Pat Lamwingers, pick that up, pass it to the fullback, or t- turn around and kick it out. No, he decides he's going to run under his post, come out, and then chip it up. Yeah, he did. I mean, that's, that's mad. <laughs> but then again, the risk reward you do that, we end up scoring. But then you do the other thing, and Piers O'Connor goes the length of the bit. It is. They only no other team in English rugby is doing that because they're either, they're either going to throw it out the back or they're going to mix and match, but much more structured. It's Exeter without the common sense. That's what that is. That's why I like this. But if you're a Bristol fan, you're going to lose a lot, of, a good yeah. few games doing that sort of stupid. But Bristol are coming from kind of right. Okay, they have money, unlike us, but they're coming from a base where they just are sick of being a yo-yo side and struggling second tier, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll take a bit of that risk." We that's the way we. Do you remember when we lost that quarterfinal to Grenoble? I'll never forget it. I feel like it's like one of the most defining games of the Pat Lamb era, mm. and it kind of spoke to why we won the title, and also spoke to why we were crazy at times. 
Oh, without question. But, you know, you have to look at it. They have won something already. They've won a Challenge Cup. Yeah. It's it's not as though they haven't won something. They've won a Challenge Cup and, and they're up there and they're playing... Well, the second half was enjoyable rugby. The first half was a strange, strange game. Um, wasn't wasn't worth watching. I don't know what was going on out there. It was intense, though. No, it, it was probably more for the purist in that there was an awful lot of kicking and there was an awful lot of beefy, beefy, beef, beef stuff going on. Um, yeah, and for me, the game turned on... Bundiaki with a silly tug of a jersey that probably wasn't required um, which gave them a chance to score two tries which they took Do you know what sickens me about that too is just the way we started the second half was so good I'm trying to remember but I think Alex Wooten did something really good I think Connor Oliver did something really good I think Matt Healy did something really good yeah. and I think then you know we're, that's 90 seconds and then they have a break which they earned and forced yeah. and we don't have to do what Bundiaki did no, I don't think so. I don't think we needed to do it. I don't think there was a, a, a particular reason to do it. It's just maybe just one of those reactionary things that you do, um, and it's it's a bit unfortunate. But like we kept going, we kept fighting. You That's can't. A good point. I, like I've seen us lose a lot of these games to English sides. Dave, do you want to come in here as well? Uh, you know, and I haven't seen enough fight right to the bitter end. I saw a fight. So if people are like, ah, oh, not liking the attitude, kind of teams, I push back. If you're like, if you don't like the discipline, I we're all on that side. But the attitude in terms of like throwing your body in and giving it everything, God, that wasn't found wanting. No, I think to a certain degree, the lack of discipline comes from the attitude in the sense that you're you're so desperate to be doing something to stop them that you come in from the side. Yeah, you you mean you you you. You do you instinctively do stuff because you see the ball, you see the man. You don't necessarily use your brain. Um, I've seen not, not look. I saw games last weekend involving teams, and I will say this, some English teams where their attitude stank from minute one. There's no stink. There's no. I'm not questioning the attitude. The players wanted to win that game. That's why we. But some. It's the. It's what happened after that date. There was a lack of smarts. I suppose it's the only way. There was a lot of smarts. The, the, the pullback is a lack of smarts because Sammy Arnold was getting there. Jack Ainger in from the side well, in, that's, in a that's mall, that's which is a key point. Yeah, that's, that's a that's he a, had a good impact in terms, again, a prime example. He had four great tackles. He was fant. He had a couple of clearouts that were sensational. But then he goes in from the side and he blows it off. But it's, it's, it's momentary. These are, it's, it's, again... Those were individual moments in individual in, individual areas, and they were lack of in, smarts at specific moments. And, but I but, and, sorry, and that comes from pressure. That yeah. comes from the pressure that was being applied by the English team, who were doing everything really well. They didn't make that many mistakes. I thought they were really, really impressive. Steve Luatua is a fantastic. So I was because I was going to talk about Randell and a few others, but Luatua was my star. He is incredible. Uh, he was just. He was just. At the right time, at the right place, he did the right thing, and they did that more often than we did. And they were they were hugely impressive. And I have to say, I was it was it was great watching the Patlham team again. <laughs> yeah, two fantastic second rows. Earl is brilliant. Ah, stop. So, and I, I did like Randell. I thought he I thought he was the perfect scrum half for that powerful pack. It's, it's I, look, it's, scrum halves love a pack going forward, but still. Oh, he was he. I thought I was trying to work out initially what Randell was doing because. He kicked more ball in the first twenty minutes yeah, than we than we kicked than when, when Pat was in and we kicked in the season. Um, he he was he was really good. Now this now this is a I'm going to slightly veer up because this is to do with with TV coverage. I don't know an awful lot of that Bristol team because I don't see them because I don't have the BT deal, so therefore I don't see a lot of Premiership. So he's a new name to me. 
Pierce O'Connor, I'm vaguely aware of. Some of the 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 good. The, 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 the loose head, Woolmore. Oh, never, what a game he had. Never. I have not seen Beelan beaten like that in the scrum ever, and that's going back to his academy days. He was he was beaten by a brilliant, brilliant loose. Oh yeah, superb. And then again, and Ben Earl, the only, only I know him because he's in the England squad. That's I mean again, that's a that's a debate for another day. But that, those guys were superb. That was a collective pack effort across the board. Um, they bet us up. They bring Nathan Hughes off, and he's, he he looked tired. And they bring a lad in again, Daniel Thomas. No real idea. I think he, he might be Welsh. I'm not sure. Joyce, the Irish Joe Joyce came on. The two loose and Max Laheef who's been around for donkeys. Uh, the Fofua, like looked like a 26 year old. He's 37. Uh, no, no, no. There's many things Jonathan has never looked. When Jonathan was Jonathan no. looked 40 when he was when he was six. That's a really <laughs> good point. And looks, but I mean the type of carries and tackles he was putting in. I was just like, how he, does a man of that age he, still fight, bring that much to a rugby pitch? It's and I hate it, it's enthusiasm. It's won. enthusiasm. It comes from on high. Look at Pat, at least Andy and Pat are basically government language. Basically, they're enthusiastic rugby players. Go out and play rugby, and that feeds into it. So John Ofoa, under certain coaches throughout his career, possibly at clubs in England, would never have snapped up a loose ball off a kickoff. It just <laughs> hey, wouldn't have happened. Just for the record, I think he's walking out in a few seconds. Can someone point out? I said he looks twenty six, and you said he looks forty six. Can we just make sure he knows the difference between who we are? Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. His body. Fabulous rugby player, though. You know, and you look at you look at. I was looking back at his record. His career is going to be. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's he's been at two clubs where he's played over 100 games, and now he's well on his way to his his fourth club where he's played over 50 games, and you know, phenomenal rugby player. It's great to be out. It's great to be talking rugby. These are tough times for everyone. It's a difficult enough Christmas wherever you are. Enjoy it. I hope you're enjoying the rugby. Don't be too downhearted because Connick still seem to have so much positive about them. But we've got to be realistic. This is an alarming kind of defeat. Well, it might be alarming that you, you could look at, Crikey, we've got Ulster up next and they might win. And then you've got Leinster away and they'll probably win. And then you've got Munster here and Crikey, they could win. It's a junk. I, I, alarming. You shook your head there and you're right. I'm just saying it just has me going, this could be a juncture. That's what I said to Paul Boyd. Yeah, yeah. Well, we were here the championship winning season. We went on a bit of a losing streak as well. But That's what's worrying me. Yeah. It's more that. It's more the possibility of what might come than the actual defeat to a very, very good side. Yeah, yeah, you'd, you'd you'd worry you'd worry from that point of view, but you'd you'd hope that you know guys like Gavin Thornby, I saw he was looked like he was twenty fourth man at least tonight. Um, coming back, he'd make a big difference. Um, Quinn Roo coming back, another one who'll make a big difference. Another guy. Worried about Alex Wooden. Hope he's okay. Yeah, well, he's playing an awful lot of rugby, and that's looks. Started every game this season. Yeah, it looked like it was one of those injuries that looked like a groin injury. Certainly, that's what I was. An indication was. Give me a break. Yeah, could be in one of those things. But then you've got a lot of guys who want to come in and and show what they're show what they're about and, and there's enough fellas there in the background who are keen and want to show like Dave would have seen a fair few of them at the, on Friday at the, at the A game and that's what I was going to do I was segueing to it I mean you're <laughs> sorry, not presenter sorry. today know, you're I just know. I know you're good at it and all that but that's not your job now just pay, yeah. listen listeners can you pretend that I'm segueing this rather than Alan and make me sound good is there any way of doing that with the edit I don't think so no, just okay just go to the clip here they are talking about the A match which is going to be really important at this stage in the conversation <sighs> Uh, well, Dave, we've just seen uh, both sides coming off here on a sunlit afternoon at the sports ground where it has finished Connacht Eagles 19, Ulster A 19. Pick the bones out of that for me. 
Ah, it was uh, typically what you'd expect at this time from the Eagles. Uh, some of the stuff was very good. Um, the, the starting 15 did very well. I probably feel a little bit disappointed in the first half. Um, they they were on top, but they didn't really create enough clear cut chances and. Uh, they got over the, you know, any time they got near the line, they it was chipped over and there was good scramble defence. But uh, there was some very good performances. Some guys, uh, Conor Fitzgerald, I thought, dictated the game very well. Played well with Colin Riley and Stephen Kearns when he came on. Very impressed with Donica Byrne at eight. Um, even even the guys who were reasonably quiet today still were putting in big hits and stuff. And I suppose overall, it it kind of did get shapeless and they did lose their discipline when all the subs came on but that's there's an inevitability about that with, with, with especially with younger lads that they're, they're, you know, sometimes their enthusiasm overrides their discipline uh, but I think they'll be quite delighted I think Eric could be very happy I mean given that some of the names some of the guys that started for, uh, for Ulster I think they'll be overall satisfied not completely happy but you know not bad at all yeah, the, the, the Connacht starting uh, out halves really did have control of that game for long periods. Uh, Connor Fitzgerald in particular getting a lot of good passes away. And uh, as you say, maybe once the, the, the substitutions came on. But who else stood out for you maybe in the pack? Oh, I was very, like I said, very impressed with Dunica Bernie. He's not someone I've seen an awful lot of, but he does impress me. Um, I thought Darren Murray started very well, especially he's he's like his brother. He's he's tall, he's gangly, but he he, he gets around the field well, and he he's very very good for such a tall guy to get down and pick up loose ball. Um, I was impressed by Connor Kenny when he came on. There was problems with the scrum. Um, I think both Maddie Burke and, and Dominic Robinson McCoy would feel a little bit disappointed that they got pinged in the scrum. Connor Kenny came on, got two penalties, and was prominent in the as well um, Oshin McCormack uh, again was Oshin McCormack he probably quieter than he can be but still was putting in the big hits um, Oshin Dowling you know did well and we have to say the moment of the match was Dylan Tooney Martin's offload for Oshin McCormack's try uh, it was just uh, he was taking the mick there he really was <laughs> so that's the story here it's finished 19 each we'll see how many of these uh, players come through connect a lot of rugby in the next few weeks final thoughts well I, we've just heard a bit from Dave Finn about the A's so we'll get the final thoughts from Dave second uh, final thoughts Alan another great performance on Owen Masterson in the second row I have to say yes glad you said that because I know he's out of position wow yeah really really good stuff I thought Kieran had his best game in a while as well I thought Marmion sorry Kieran Marmion had his best game in a while um, I thought Jack was really fired up tonight I think he had something to prove to a, his former coach and I think he was he was well up for it as well so some good performances but Matt Healy how was he having Matt? Yeah Matt was excellent Matt was excellent tonight. Jeez, a couple of magnificent clearance yeah. kicks were just that left boot yeah. it's like Mark McHugh-esque that's going back into the archives it certainly is no he, he had a cracking game a lot of guys had, had good games tonight unfortunately it wasn't quite good enough just wondering I think Mark McHugh is right footed but we'll leave that in there I meant just in terms of strength of boot that's yes, what I meant I didn't enough. mean the fair left enough. or right yeah, I really yeah, did need yeah, to emphasize yeah. that he was right footed sorry anyways okay carry on final thoughts after all my crazy thoughts I think my scattered thoughts there just sum up the way Bristol played rugby ah uh, yeah I mean brilliant thoughts I, mean, I just want to make sure I know where I'm going to watch that game because I think the game over there could be absolutely mad I mean, last week was my... I think my biggest thought about this is what a shame Bristol aren't playing Racing. What <laughs> a shame, because that... Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. would have been a, fanta- would have been a fantastic... Um, yeah, it's an awful lot. Uh, it's an awful lot. It, 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 there are things that are fixable. There's an awful lot of that is fixable. Some things aren't fixable. We're not suddenly all going to get 10Ks over the course of the next week. Um, but we're going to get the legs. As you say, Quinn will be back, hopefully. And Gavin definitely should be back next week. And Abraham... 
and please God let them have worked on his tackling technique. Um, but he's he's gonna be, he's if 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 he if we just you know as long as we, when we have the ball and he has the ball he could have he can do things and I don't think that the other the, the other teams are fully aware of what he's capable of. But I don't think it, it could be a juncture and we could end up we, you know we don't know it could be just it could it could be a turning point but it could also be a turning point for good but we won't know till next week and that that makes next week even more fascinating because Ulster really will be sore after what happened to them. This is going to be a great fixture. This day, next week, as we record, or the 27th of December, as you listen, uh, at 7.30, Connick vs. Ulster. We'll have podcasts in between where we can. It is Christmas. A very happy Christmas to everyone. Won't wish you New Year. Happy New Year, because we'll be back before then. That's pretty much it for me. Can I throw some random prediction at you, right? Bristol go away to Claremont, lose, which I think they will. They go into the last game, big premiership game the following week. Connick sneak a one-point win against Racing. We may really regret that losing bonus point, because I'm going to say something pretty radical after what we just saw there. I want Put a pass on winning over there. No, I could see them possibly doing that. I think no, Connick, I think the biggest competition thing, is strange. It is, it's weird, and I think the biggest thing Connick missed tonight was the crowd. Oh. It's awful lonely here. I said it earlier on, but it's still it's awful lonely without the, the crowd. It's really Cre- actually it's genuinely creepy. It it feels we miss you folks. Yeah, we miss you. That's um, what we're saying. And also this gen- usually, most of our listeners are usually around us. There's nothing I have no problems with Genesis the Company, it's great that they're sponsoring Connick, but to be honest with you, a large orange sign is not the lunatics in front of the clan. <laughs> yeah, that's what's underneath us here. Hey, listen, it does their work. All right, that's it. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you during the week. We would like to thank all our patrons for their support in helping keeping the podcast going. If you would like to help ensure that we can keep providing the most comprehensive coverage of Connick Rugby, you can do so by logging on to patreon.com slash craggyrugby and for less than the price of a cup or a pint a month, hit the join button. You can also spread the word about our podcast to anyone with even the faintest interest in Connacht Rugby and asking them to have a listen. You can let us know what you think of our coverage by contacting us on our Twitter handle at craggyrugbypod or by sending an email to craggyrugby at gmail.com. You can go to craggyrugby.com to listen to our back catalogue of over 300 episodes that cover the last five-plus seasons of the highs and lows of not only the Connacht men's professional team and the Eagles, but also the exploits of the Connacht women's team in the Interpros. Remember, you can listen to us on your favourite podcast player by asking Alexa or Siri to play a Craggy Rugby podcast, or you can now even get us on YouTube. Just search for Craggy Rugby. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Side.